Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cryptic Cocktail Party, a show where we have a few drinks, share a few laughs, take a dive into the unknown. I'm your host Dave and today I'm joined by second best co-host, Colby Clark. How's it going bud? Hello, <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing alright. I hope that poll didn't hurt your feelings. It hurt my feelings. It gave me a will to live for like a couple of days. <laughs> it gave you something to strive for to become the number one second best co-host? Absolutely. Gotcha. Um, I mean, you know, it, Nick has an interest. Uh, not that I'm not interested in your story. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Nick has a general interest in cryptids, you know? That's true. Proceeding being a guest. So, I mean, it makes sense. I but guess, yeah. But just, I, feel, I, feel like just, I feel like your Nick, reactions... just know I'm coming for you. Your, rea- <laughs> your reactions are more genuine, I feel like. Because he... Even if he doesn't know the story, some things you can kind of expect. You have no fucking idea what is going on. I try to know the least going into it that I possibly can. Yeah, that's why I did not want to tell you. Because this is the the topic of today's episode. You know. You have to. There's no way you don't know it. But I didn't tell you what it is, mm-hmm. right? You're going to go in blind with this? You have not. I am <laughs> wool over the eyes. <laughs> over here all right well Kobe the other reason I wanted to have you on not not just because you're my friend and you gotta you gotta start making a name for yourself against Nick uh is that one year ago this week you helped me launch this show uh by being a guest on the first two episodes Flatwood Monster and I believe the Dover Demon oh that's fantastic yeah those were great I I didn't want to do this series uh with anyone else because I feel like it's only it's only fitting that you know, even if even if you're not a guest consistently, I feel like the the milestones, the major ones, you have to be here for. Because if it wasn't for you, this show would not have would not have uh, started. Because <laughs> I feel like you were the only one who had time to do it, and uh, you did. Well, it. I'm so proud to I'm so proud to be a part of this. You yeah. know, I'm this prou- is fantastic. I'm this is a really this. great thing that you did. And yeah, yeah, we know we're uh, we're one year in, almost fifty episodes in. Uh, hours of content. So I just want to say thank you, Colby, for helping uh, me get this off the ground. And thanks to everyone listening. Uh, you guys were fucking awesome for sharing and commenting and liking and following and all that stuff. So I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Do you want to dive right in, Colby? Yeah, dude. Th- thank you for, <laughs> for creating this, you know? Oh, yeah. We just thank each other for a while. Or yeah. <laughs> just do highlights of thank yous. I mean, we could. Fuck it. This is just a thank you episode. <laughs> it is what it is. No, no, no. I'm ready for it. Freaking give it to me. All right, Colby. So uh, we, we record these on Riverside, and you can name the studio. Mm-hmm. And I kind of give you a hint of the area that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, can you tell mm-hmm. people what, what I named the studio? Uh, doing cocaine with John Denver on a boat. <laughs> uh, just kidding. It's... Uh, <laughs> Take me home, country Kolb. All right. So can you guess where we're like going to be that. talking about today? Colorado. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Uh, so Den- Den- Denver would be more accurate. Yeah. No. Uh, we're going to be talking about Appalachia. Appalachia? Appalachia. It's pronounced either way. And uh, okay. from top to bottom, Appalachia, Appalachia, however you want to pronounce it, is no stranger to the weird, the unusual, straight up fucking terrifying 
the Appalachian Mountain Range is fucking 480 million years old, so it's had some time to kind of brew up a few of its own iterations on like Eldritch Horror. There's <laughs> there's a lot of things going on here, uh, and it's been dating on, back uh, on what? what what was it? The Appalachian Mountain Range. No, the uh, uh, the elderly tour. Is that, what was it? Eldritch Horror, Colby. Eldritch. I haven't heard of that. That's why I'm asking. You don't know? It's like uh, think like Lovecraftian. No. Okay. You're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you look like you know. You're shaking your head like you know, but I feel your your face is saying something different. Lovecraft. Love it. <laughs> The, the the guy the the author man the author man yes now yeah, I got it I'm right there <laughs> these things have been dating back for centuries uh, even the indigenous peoples of the region have had stories and folklore of things that go bump in the night in this area uh, things like the wampus cat which the Cherokee viewed as a protective spirit uh, the Wendigo which if you're listening you probably know what his deal is and we covered it you you were the guest on that episode uh, oh, yeah. he is. Definitely not a protective spirit. Probably the opposite of. <laughs> okay. Uh, you also got the moon-eyed people. Uh, they were short, pale-skinned, little nocturnal guys with large, bright eyes that weren't really considered spirits or cryptids, but just like a straight-up different race of person. Uh, kind of like you. I feel like I just described you perfectly. Oh, big time. Uh, and then you got my personal favorite. And I should probably do a whole episode on this. Uh, this is... this. Uh, spirit creature whatever it calls called the spear finger and according to legend the spear finger is a shape-shifting uh stone-skinned witch with totally normal hands she definitely does not have a wildly (laughs) sharp and long knife in place of one of her fingers (laughs) Uh, did she write this yeah (laughs) she wrote that did she yeah she wrote her own biography it's like a uh Biography on that. It's like on the back of a book, like the jacket. Yeah. She's like, I totally yeah, yeah, have yeah. normal hands. Not just Freddy like Krueger. taped it on. She just wrote it on a regular <laughs> piece of paper uh, from the witch. So it said that she would take the form of an old woman and convince the children in the village that she was their grandmother. And then when the kids would fall asleep, uh, she would straight up murder them and then steal their livers. Oh. <laughs> So I feel like this is just another reason why I don't trust old people. They're already creepy. They're already. <laughs> Are you okay? I mean, you you cross the line when you impersonate my grandparent. All right. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then to murder me. <laughs> I didn't put this Good in there, God. but it said that she would uh, lull the children to sleep by brushing their hair. Now, I need to know, is she doing that with like the knife hands or is this like a just, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She slips it in there. Yeah. It's like <laughs> comb, knife hand, comb, knife hand. Now, then you got like shit like uh, the Brown Mountain Lights, the Bell Witch, Bigfoot, things like that. But there's one state yeah. in the Appalachian Mountain Range that, above all others, has had more strange and weird creatures and folklore pop up than any other, and that state is West Virginia. And in this state, man, okay. we got the classics. You got everyone's favorite, the Flatwoods Monster. You got the Snally Gaster. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch, Sheep Squatch, Bat Squatch. There's also the Grafton Monster, the Snarly Yow, Devil Dogs. The Jersey Devil was seen there somehow. I don't know. But there's one cryptid that trumps all of those. One whose very presence kind of gives off like an air of evil, tragedy, and pink eye to those who have seen it. One who has been called a harbinger of doom and destruction. (laughs) 
Well, others are convinced <laughs> it was simply a messenger trying to convey a warning. Uh, this specific cryptid even has had a Richard Gere movie made about it, and that entity is known as the Mothman. Julia Roberts. <laughs> No, Colby, it's the Mothman. We're going to be doing the Mothman, and I'm very excited. Right, 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 right. <laughs> just, so, just, that makes sense. Yeah, no. Uh, so not what I said. The movie was not Pretty Woman, if that's what the movie you were thinking of. Right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, Colby, okay. you're familiar with the Mothman, correct? Yeah, yeah, I've heard some samples from it. <laughs> some samples? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we got to release that song. Uh, yeah absolute banger for those of you who may somehow be unfamiliar uh the mothman is a is a five to eight foot tall humanoid creature with bright red almost hypnotic glowing eyes that will for sure give you pink eye it has a massive Mm. wingspan of roughly 10 feet that from what some witnesses say they don't flap he just kind of like unfurls them and then just lifts off the ground just like damn yeah not ideal right uh just an all-around unpleasant thing to come across when you're driving down the road at night i would say Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so sightings of the Mothmans. Get out of there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, sightings of the Mothman started on November 15th, 1966 in the small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and ended on December 15th, 1967, with the tragic collapse of the Silver Bridge, which claimed the lives of 46 people, two of which their bodies were never found. So it's kind of rough. It's not like the happiest Christmas that year in Point Pleasant, I would assume. Uh, yeah, but before we get no. into the nitty gritty of the Mothman sightings, the UFOs, the Men in Black, and the weirdest dude in the world known as Injured Cold, I think it's important to take a little bit and talk about Point Pleasant, its history, and for you to learn about a centuries-old curse that was put upon the region that may be the cause for all the strange occurrences and the many incidents and tragedies that have plagued Point Pleasant and the surrounding area since that curse was spoken. Are you ready for this, Colby? Are you ready? I'm definitely ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's go. You know, how you feeling so far? I'm feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm retaining information. I'm a little on my uh, on the edge of the seat, you know. Okay. And I want to know. I want to know more about Point Pleasant. Yeah. This there's gonna be uh this is a information heavy episode. You're gonna get a lot of info here. That's good. Uh. Not a lot of Mothman in this one, but I think this is, I guess I was telling you before we were recording, I think this is important to learn about this before we go into what the Mothman and the sightings and all that stuff were. All right. So right, right. Point Pleasant is a small town in West Virginia that sits on the confluence of the Ohio and the Kanawha Rivers. Confluence, I learned, means like when two, uh, two or more water sources join up to make like one channel of water. So you learned mm-hmm. something today. Uh, okay. It supposedly got its name when George Washington uh, was like surveying the area and offhandedly was just like, huh, this is a pleasant point uh, in, in reference to like <laughs> where the Ohio River and the Kanawha River met. I don't know how real that is because according to the official Wikipedia page, uh, it said that Colonel Lewis set up a camp there called Camp Point Pleasant. And it was named after that, so I don't know. Uh, I like to believe the George mm. Washington story just because I'm a big fan of lazily named things. Yeah. Like Blueberry. Absol- yeah. Like, that's blue. It's blueberry. <laughs> but the the boysenberry? Oh. What? 
<laughs> Why are you looking so flustered about that? The boysenberry? Good lord. You guys, it, it <laughs> rhymes with poison. Okay. <laughs> Who's naming this shit? Uh, it was officially established on December 19th, 1794, uh, but was already occupied by settlers. Oh my God. Was already occupied by settlers well before then. And not just by us white folks, as I'm sure everyone listening will have uh, assumed. Uh, it was originally a Shawnee village up until 1749. But this area wasn't just home to Shawnee people. Uh, several tribes of indigenous people lived in the area. And with the whole manifest destiny thing going on that we were taught in school, for some reason, was like a good it's thing. The gold rush. N- nope. <laughs> Do you not do you not remember Manifest Destiny from school? It was all around the same time, I think. No. So I mean maybe, but not really, no. I mean, you know, social studies. Man- <laughs> uh well if you don't know what Manifest Destiny is, go look it up. Uh it, but we were taught it, it that was when we were in England, we were like, Yeah, we should have land. Uh, we should we should have America. It's our destiny to Yeah, basically you know, conquer all Yeah, basically God lands. God said that we should just keep going west uh mm-hmm. uh some of right. those native so now i feel like i gotta start over but uh, Sorry. <laughs> with the whole manifest destiny thing going on that we were taught in schools so some of those native tribes banded together to sort of put the kibosh on that shit like real quick and one mm-hmm. of those tribes was the shawnee now from what i have learned the shawnee were the strongest of these tribes whether or not that's true I don't really know, but I'm not going to argue with it. Uh, but what I do know is that the Shawnee chieftain uh, was well-respected and widely feared, not just amongst like other native tribes, but the white settlers as well. His name was, and I really hope I'm pronouncing this right, Hokolesqua, which translated from the native Shawnee to English means blade of corn or cornstalk. Now, not much is known about Chief Cornstalk's early life, and he doesn't really appear in any historical records up until about 1764. We know that he may have been born in 1720 in the area of what is now modern-day Pennsylvania along the Susquehanna River, and he relocated to the area of Point Pleasant sometime around 1758 during the French and Indian War because the Shawnee were trying to, like, stay neutral in that conflict, so they decided to just, like, get the hell out of there. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you call. retaining any of this? Absolutely. Okay. Chief Chief Big Corn. Cornstalk. Big Cornstalk. Yeah. Was a badass dude, revered by all, even the whites. You're scaring the whites? Yeah. Yeah. Doing a good day. You made a name it. for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, Classic whites. So yeah, so they were so they were so the Shawnee was trying to remain neutral. That is until the British Royal Proclamation of 1763 that was meant to create a border between the colonies and the native lands. This worked well as it could, I guess, for a while, but then of course us whites got greedy. Who would have guessed? Uh, and that's with the Treaty of Fort Stanwix in 1768, where Sir William Johnson negotiated a new border with the Iroquois which gave the British a huge chunk of land south of the Ohio River, which included, you guessed it, present-day West Virginia. Now, the reason this was a problem for Cornstalk and the Shawnees was because they used that land as their hunting grounds, So they weren't, and, and they weren't at the negotiations for this treaty, so they were pretty pissed off about it. They didn't even show up. 
They weren't invited. They were invited. <laughs> Their invites were lost in the mail. Uh, Pony Express back then was literally a Pony Express. Right. And they couldn't travel very far. They're ponies. <laughs> uh, now, this treaty, this led to clashes between the British and Native American tribes. And this is about the time when the Shawnees started organizing other tribes to help defend their hunting grounds. All in all, seven Native American nations formed an alliance known as, and I'm sorry for how this is worded, this is just how it is, and it's uh, the Indian Confederacy to protect the mm. lands and defend against any further white dudes just encroaching on their lands. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> it kind of happened anyways. Sorry. Uh, right, right, right. Those nations uh, that were part of this confederacy were the Delaware, Wyandot, Mingo, Ottawa, Illinois, Miami, and of course the Shawnee. These skirmishes weren't like a full-fledged issue until 1774 when at least 10 Mingo Indians were murdered by white settlers in what is now known as the Yellow Creek Massacre. This led to the Mingos retaliating against the settlers and it seemed as though pretty much at this point like a straight-up war was going to come any day now. Uh, You know, like the fog of war hung low across the region, if you will. You look, you look bored as fuck. <laughs> I told you, this is an information-heavy episode. I am not bored whatsoever. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Now, Cornstalk and the Shawnees weren't looking for a war. They just wanted their hunting grounds to not be ravaged by white dudes, which is understandable. So far, it kind of seems like the Shawnees are super chill. Like they're, 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 like, they're like the one friend that you have that's like, Super chill, cool with everyone, doesn't want any problems with anyone, never starts any shit, but if but if they need right. to, they will fucking just like straight up murk you, no questions asked, kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never met my buddy Jordan, but that's Jordan. Jordan You think, you doesn't think he's exist. not a real human being, I, right? Right, right? I don't right. think Jordan's real. We've gone over John Cena. He's pretty Can't much. Uh so Cornstalk. Uh, he did what he could to kind of just keep the peace, uh, even going as far as sending his brother Silverheels to escort traders from Shawnee villages to the safety at Fort Pitt. Well, one day, while Silverheels was escorting someone to Fort Pitt, and while he was at the fort, local militiamen shot and seriously wounded him. And this was the inciting incident that kicked off Lord Dunmore's war and brought us to the Battle of Point Pleasant. Are you ready to learn about the Battle of Point Pleasant? How are you feeling so far? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like the white strike again, you know? <laughs> I think that's where all of our problems came. Pretty much. I, I think we are the cause of a lot of our own problems. Us and us from the future. I don't know what that means. You will in 15 days and 34 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no. The Battle of Point Pleasant took place on October 10th, where Cornstalk and a small army of only roughly 300 Shawnee, Delaware, Windit, and Mingo warriors, uh, they stood up against Lord Dunmore's uh, 1,300 men. The battle lasted nearly the whole day, with Cornstalk and his men actually having the upper hand until reinforcements arrived, and he was forced to retreat back across the Ohio River, and eventually he ended up signing a peace treaty called the Treaty of Camp Charlotte, which basically made it official that Cornstalk was to give up all the Shawnee land rights south of the Ohio River. Kind of a bummer, mm-hmm. but, you know. Right. It seems like Cornstalk's just like, I don't want more people to die, so just it is what it is. Stop making me sign documents. 
Uh, now we're going to yada, yada, yada a bit uh, here and fast forward to 1775. At this point, the American Revolution is kicking off. Uh, and just like with all other conflicts, Cornstalk and the Shawnee wanted to remain neutral in this war. Now, this is the part in the story where things get a bit murky as to what happened next. Some sources I read in the story that I'm going to go with because it's a way better story and adds a bunch more to the legend uh, is the one I'm going to go with. So please, Colby, listeners, after this point, take Mm. everything I say with a grain of salt. Could be true, could be legend, could be completely made up. The story is that in November 1777, Cornstalk went to Fort Rudolph, which is a fort that was built on the site of the Battle of Point Pleasant and is now present-day Point Pleasant. Uh, he was he went along with another Native American chief named Red Hawk and an unnamed Native man. There's your unnamed name man uh, uh-huh. to tell the Americans that while they don't want war with the Americans or the British, the British are bringing more and more tribes from their Confederacy to the side of the British. And that if Cornstalk's men wanted to fight with the British, he would allow it and would have no choice but to join in with them. Because if Cornstalk is anything, he's a man with principles and loyalty. If his fighters want to fight with the British, he's going to do it. You know? If you're a part of a confederacy, I feel like you have to, like, be with, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, what a, yeah. What a, it's for the people, you know? <laughs> That's what the people want to do. We're doing it. He's a man of the people. That's right. I like him. <laughs> he then stated that uh, the reason for their visit that day was to try and negotiate some sort of peace deal before things escalated uh, as the other tribes were already amassing along the Ohio River, just pretty much waiting to murder everyone in that fort. Now, he told all this to a man named Captain Arbuckle, who for some reason decided after hearing all of this, you know, the imminent attack, the tribes setting up camps along the Ohio, that he was just going to take all three men as hostages. You're mine now. <laughs> I claim you. Why not? I mean, they're already taking everything else. Interesting choice. Yeah. Um. Not. Yeah. It is a very interesting choice. Now, even though they were hostages, it's said that they were treated well. They had comfortable quarters, food. It was even said that Cornstalk even helped in plotting out some of the maps of the Ohio River for the Americans to help out if and when the attacks happened. Then on November Damn. 9th, they're just kicking it, hanging out, making maps and shit. Yeah. He's just trying to be Sound helpful. like friends. Yeah. He's, you know. Uh, then on November 9th, Elipanisco, who was Cornstalk's son, visited the fort to see his father and to check on his well-being. Uh, he was also detained by the captain. So he's just making all sorts of great moves, it seems like. This captain, uh, killing it. You're coming with me. <laughs> with a name like Arbuckle. <laughs> you don't. You don't play around, you know. You're a serious man from Long Arbuckle Line. <laughs> now, the uh, the next day on the tenth, they heard shots fired from just outside the fort walls. Apparently, two soldiers left the fort to go do a little deer hunting, and they were ambushed by a group of Native Americans. One of the soldiers managed to escape, but the other one wasn't so lucky. He was killed and scalped. And this really did not sit well with the soldiers in the fort who were already on edge, just kind of waiting for the natives to attack from across the river. So with all this rage, uh, a group of men acting against orders burst into where the four men were and decided to execute all of them as revenge for their fallen comrade. 
It's said that when the men burst through the door, that Cornstalk stood up and faced them with such bravery that the men momentarily paused their attack. But unfortunately, just standing up like a badass that he was wasn't enough to stop what happened next. The soldiers opened fire. Red Hawk was said to have tried to climb up the chimney, but was immediately dragged out and killed. The unknown native man is said that he was strangled to death. Uh, Cornstalk's son was shot where he sat. And Cornstalk, he was shot eight, eight times before he fell to the floor. And then there on the floor, uh, he looked up at his murderers and said, quote, I was the border man's friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I came to this fort as your friend, and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side my young son. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its people be paralyzed by the stains of our blood. End quote. Damn, he said all that? (laughs) He was dying for a while. (laughs) (laughs) The gut shot? He got got shot in the gut, right? He got shot eight times. Dying for enough time to write a book. (laughs) Let's let's even. Uh, apparently, this was the the curse was longer. I truncated it down just a little bit. So he was he was talking right. for a minute. But what do you think? This is a pretty this is a pretty dope curse. Damn. Yeah. Absolutely. That's. <laughs> I mean, that that's the right time to uh, set oh, yeah. that curse up upon the white folk. Yeah. If you're ever gonna curse anyone, it's in that moment. He 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 you, played his cards well. On your death floor. <laughs> And then, I like he kept saying floor, but it's mostly it's probably just ground. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just ground. Uh, you like hardwood. It could. I mean, it might. I mean, like a like it, a loft, downtown loft. Well, I mean, like <laughs> forts weren't just one floor; they had upper levels. Right. Could be stone. Right. Could be wood. Who knows? I think we're getting a little off topic here. Maybe. All yeah. right. Uh, I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> now. As soon as those words left his lips, he succumbed to his injuries and passed, or so says mm-hmm. the legend. Uh, the bodies of mm-hmm. Cornstalk's son, Redhawk, and the unknown warrior were said to have been thrown in the river, while Cornstalk, being the respected uh, chief that he was, he, he they, the, the settlers did bury him right near the fort, and he remained there for some time. That is until 1840, when his bones were removed and placed in the grounds of the Mason County Courthouse. Strike one. And then again, in the 1950s, they removed his remains, which at this point, I think they said was just like uh, like one bone and a couple of teeth. Uh, and they just put him in like a, an aluminum box and then buried them in 2ND Way Park. Uh, not great. Don't move the bones. Yeah. Don't move the bones. Now, as for the curse, well... A ton of bad shit has happened over the years that people have attributed to said curse, such as, and this is a pretty long list, so a catastrophic fire that destroyed an entire city block in the 1880s. On December 6, 1907, a coal mine disaster in Monongah, West Virginia, killed 310 miners. Uh, There were Mm. two floods that almost completely took out Point Pleasant in 1913 and 1937, Uh, June of 1944, a tornado ripped through the tri-state area, killing 150 people. 
1954, a barge exploded, killing six men just before Christmas. 1968, a plane crash near the Kanawha Airport, killing 35. 1970, another airplane crash in Huntington, West Virginia, killed 75. March 2nd, 1976, Har- uh, Harriet Sisk was in the Mason County Jail in Point Pleasant for the murder of her infant daughter. So her husband came to the jail with a briefcase full of explosives and then set them off, killing him, his wife, and three cops. Holy smokes. <laughs> um, yeah. Why did you do that, Cornstock? And then in 1978, a train derailed in Point Pleasant, releasing a bunch of toxic chemicals into the water. Uh making all of the wells and the drinking water in the area pretty much unusable, uh, so on, so mm. forth. Uh, but one that everyone seems all to remember. of the curse. That, that's what they're saying. It could just be all coincidence and just this area is just rife with tragedy for some reason. I don't know. Uh, but right. the one that everyone seems to remember and the one that has the wildest stories surrounding it is that of the collapse of the Silver Bridge on December 15th, 1967, and the entire year leading up to it filled the sightings of UFOs, men in black, alien visitors, and the harbinger of doom himself, the Mothman. And that is where we will pick Shit. up next week for Mothman Part 2, The Sightings. Dang, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, how you feeling, bud? That was a feeling lot of information. Whoa, I'm feeling... <laughs> full you know <laughs> feeling like i gotta do some file sorting all this information you're gonna file that's cool though i i need the backstory you know it feels like a slow burn it's gonna be yeah it is because there's a lot of weird shit like it's not just the mothman like i said like there's ufos the men in black showed up uh there was an alien visitor named Indrid Cold who was just consistently smiling and talked through telekinesis and fucking phones and shit like that. Like, Whoa, he he talks through phones. Well, I'm yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotcha. I gotcha. No, it's just like I, everyone knows the story of the Mothman, I feel like, but not a lot of people know the there was a bunch of weird shit happening surrounding the Mothman. That mm. all right, so I'm gonna try and break this up into segments. The next episode, we'll do we'll do the Mothman. Straight up. We'll just do sightings. And then I want to go over the men in black and the UFOs and injured colds. All these things happening either before, during, or after. And I think it's going to be really fun. I'm excited. It gets weird. It gets really fucking weird. All right. Well, I'm ready. Take me to the cryptid commune. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) Colby, thank you so much for for joining me. Do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? Um, I mean, yeah, our, uh, we just got a new drummer for my band, uh, lanterns change our name. Uh, you'll see a new single and a demo coming out soon. Hell yeah. Going to be dropping them. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Right on. And where can they find lanterns? Lan- is it lanterns 207 on Instagram? Yeah. 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 So follow that's them. That's the one, you know, follow, follow them. It's good. Good time. Oh yeah. Um, that's what we that's what we sound like. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh if you want to follow <laughs> us, follow us on Instagram at Cryptic Cocktail. Follow us on TikTok at Cryptic Cocktail Party. Uh we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash cryptic cocktail party. It's five dollars a month, and you will get things when I get around to doing them. But for the most part, it's really just to support the show and what we do. Um, 
Yeah, that's it. Um, Colby, you want to say bye to everyone? Bye, everyone. <laughs>